the whole thing about the trip was having a slightly arbitrary random idea in the pub and then actually following through. So there was a real sense of empowerment from coming from that. Uh, I think that momentum has sort of thrown us into other projects. And there was definitely a few weeks of adjustment and it's definitely changed, I think, uh, yeah, our, our outlook on maybe what we, what we might get up to next. is the Hard as Nails podcast episode number 21. My name's Kevin and it's great to have you back for this episode which is brought to you by Outsider.ie, Islands Adventure Magazine and is supported by Follow the Camino, the original walking holiday experts. Follow the Camino has been helping pilgrims to walk, cycle or horse ride along the famous Camino de Santiago pilgrimage routes in Spain for over a decade now. Airport transfers, the very best accommodation, meals and luggage transfers it's all taken care of with their custom itinerary created just for you so that all you have to do is enjoy your adventure to the fullest go visit www.followthecamino.com and take the first step to that ultimate getaway follow the camino your camino your way now you might recall six episodes ago we spoke with an irish couple who are busy taking on the national waymarked trails around ireland well we are joined by another couple but their epic adventure took place in the ocean sailing across the atlantic from cross Haven in Cocork to St. Lucia in the Caribbean and back again to be more specific. With no prior sailing experience, they took on the nine-month adventure that altered their lives forever and they now join us to share their experience. It's Claire McCluskey and Nick Russell. Thank you both for taking the time to relive some of the moments before, during and after your insane expedition. No problem. Nice to meet you, Alan. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, Claire, let's start off with when and how you and Nick met. We all enjoy a good love story. <laughs> So I started working for Nick shortly after I left college. Uh-huh. Then, uh, yeah, it, we just ended up going out. <laughs> so it was it was slightly unprofessional, maybe. Uh, we we did have mutual friends. We did have mutual friends. Sorry, that. We had yeah. mutual friends in common. All right. Was helping on a casual kind of job, and, uh, and that was that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nick, uh, at the onset though of the relationship, who would you say was the more adventurous type of person? That's hard to say. Uh, I guess I probably would have maybe done more adventure, but Claire was probably more adventurous in her willingness to yeah. <laughs> on an adventure. Yeah. Very, very easy to get her into, uh, yeah, into an adventurous mode and yeah. also get into trouble mm. as well. <laughs> very yeah. interesting. Well, now the adventure the two of you went on in 2016 was incredible. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the idea of sailing across the Atlantic and back to the UK again was conjured up over a pint in a pub where many great ideas often come from. Is this true, Nick? And how did the idea develop from there? Yeah, it, it, was, it was very much uh, a pub conversation. Uh, in retrospect, we, we came across a um, famous American author who's uh, noted for saying Hemingway? always... Hemingway, I yeah. think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's uh, noted for saying, always do what you say you'll do when you're drunk in the pub, <laughs> and that way you'll learn to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> uh, so over a few points, and yeah, we formed the idea of, at the time, we, we formed the totally misguided notion of sailing across the North Atlantic to the States. Uh, we had a very meager budget. Uh, we thought it was a great idea, and then when we looked into it, we didn't have enough money, and mm. it was uh, a really poor time of year. We were looking at sailing in completely the wrong direction, but uh, a bit of research uh, 
and we, we set ourselves on the right track. Uh, at that point, though, Nick had never sailed offshore before, yeah. and I had never sailed at all before. So, <laughs> Well, as you mentioned there, Claire, I mean, you, neither of you had prior sailing experience. So then why choose an activity that requires both of you to learn quite a bit and also has somewhat of a, a big expense attached to it, like buying a boat? Um, I suppose that question might be best for Nick, because Nick as it transpires, has a kind of a boat obsession. And okay. I had always that he had thought of doing. And I had always wanted, to, he, he proposed the idea. I, like, I'm from County Monaghan, so it's not a, a it's quite a landlocked part of Ireland. So I had never really much experience to see at all. So it never occurred to me, really. But then when Nick suggested this kind of sailing across the Atlantic Ocean idea, it seemed great. Mm. I don't know. And it, it appealed to me. I think I'd always wanted to go on, like, a big adventure like that. And this seemed to just be like, OK, why not? Yeah. And then when we looked into it, yeah, it took an awful lot more, say, learning, I'd say, than, like, you know, going on a hike or whatever. So then, Nick, was this idea of sailing in your mind prior to that moment that you and Claire were in the pub having a couple of pints and then you, you, you struck up the, the conversation of this idea? To be honest, no. Uh, so at the time, uh, Claire was planning on spending a year in New York mm-hmm. um, and and that was going to mean we would spend a year apart. Uh, and so, yeah, she kind of foolishly said to me at that, at that time that I could choose the next adventure. Uh, and and it, uh, yeah, over the course of that conversation, I think that the, the idea just kind of popped into my head and it was like, it became a, a mild obsession, to say the least. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was just one of those things that really, uh, really kind of yeah, grabbed our imagination. Mm. And well, mine maybe more so than Claire's at the time. <laughs> um, so the idea of it, it grew from there. And uh, you purchased your boat, called the Rogue Trader in 2013, but you only set sail uh, uh, three years later. Why the delay, Claire? Well, I was in New York um, mm-hmm. that year, as we said. Nick bought the boat while, just before I came back, I think. And then we spent about a year kind of learning how to sail it, okay. learning, like, yeah, learning how to sail in general, but also the boat itself is quite a manual boat. She's not set up for say, like single-handed sailing. Everything is very much uh, quite hands-on on her. So, mm-hmm. It was a great learning boat in that respect. So we we learned how to sail her. We sailed uh, up and down the coast of Ireland twice during that time. And then it was just sort of learning as much as we can, researching as much as we could about what uh, offshore sailing was like and what we had to prepare for. And then, uh, yeah, we did. We both did our um, skipper qualifications, got our international certificate mm. of competence and things like that. Mm. Uh, we actually had hoped to leave... Was it two years after we were, were planning on going and then uh, we encountered a few problems with the boat itself, but both with registering the boat. Uh, anybody out there uh, who's ever encountered the Irish registry of shipping will know what we're talking about there. That was <laughs> we also had a problem with the engine that we were, uh, that had a miraculous solution to it. But that had, those things held us up for about a year. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what took the time. But I think in the end, we were glad to have had that time. We definitely yeah. were much more equipped. When we were trying to go. Mm. What Claire's also missing out there is that uh, the boat was very definitely a fixer upper. Oh, yeah. Uh, our <laughs> meager budget <laughs> yeah. didn't yeah. quite stretch to uh, an ocean ready. Well, we liked in fun, we had in technical skills, I suppose. Mm. So we, we, uh, we were very much. Yeah, we were able to do an awful lot of stuff ourselves. You utilized your time wisely. Like you said, you you did the studying, you put in the practice, but then obviously comes the moment to start actually putting the finer details in place. Nick, did you map everything out from the route you would sell, the stops you would need to make along the way, the duration of the venture? How detailed was all the planning? 
certain parts of it were quite detailed. Uh, certain parts of it were very much... Flying with the seat of her pants. A good example, though, uh, with sailing, uh, you, your best laid plans are always kind of shunted around uh, by other forces that you're totally not in control of, uh, mostly the weather, mm-hmm. uh, with us also things like registration and uh, engine problems and stuff. We, we had a very carefully laid out plan to, to leave Ireland to sail straight south to the north of Spain. And then, you know, we had a very carefully planned route from there down to Gran Canaria, where we would leave to sail across the Atlantic. Uh, we left Ireland, and a day and a half later, we found ourselves in heading aiming for Spain, but we found ourselves in southern England, where we were trapped for a week by bad weather. We had to do a complete crew change. So it was kind of a really, it was very straight in, a great example of how you plan to do one thing and then bad weather and yeah. other things throw you off course. Yeah, wow. Now, obviously, it wasn't just the two of you on the boat at any given time during the nine months. I mean, there were a few others that they came along for the journey at different stages, and there were often people who you met online, sometimes even along the docks. How challenging was yep. it, Claire, to uh, invite strangers to share this experience and, and get to know, sometimes in a very short space of time? Yeah, it was a really interesting one, and a, a lot of people that we've told about that have, Sort of adopted that idea that that mm. seems to be the most ex- more of the, one of the extreme sides of our trip. I think we ended up in in a kind of a mindset where an awful lot of the time we sort of we had such small windows for in which to go, and we were always under this time pressure to make it down to the Caribbean in time for the arc. I think we kind of we just got into this like let's just go for it kind mm-hmm. of mentality. So a lot of people that we met along the way kind of had a similar sort of energy about them. I think you know there's an awful lot of uh, sailing webs that we were calling them sail tinder quite affectionately <laughs> <laughs> like there's a lot of like sailing websites out there that uh, specifically for that reason that will link up both with crew and it seems to be like a global phenomenon like we met loads and loads of boat hitchhikers oh, all wow. over the world still like in touch with most of them you know mm-hmm. like yeah a lot of people we just met on the dock we were like you know we need someone for a few days who wants to go to Spain you know and <laughs> it's just it kind of opened up our eyes to we at one point, we were like, hang on, if we wanted to do this trip, why didn't we just go hitchhiking? Why did we have to go to the Hall of Fame? <laughs> yeah, it, it was very much, we did sort of open up our lives to a lot of uh, uncertainty. And mm. there was, you know, we kind of didn't have any privacy for the nine months, I think. Mm. It was just part of it. You know, when you're traveling, you, I think you kind of open yourself up to those yeah. experiences. And that obviously just adds to the the whole adventure of it. Uh, you mentioned oh, there, Claire, yeah. that uh, you, you obviously have kept in touch with, uh, with uh, some of the, 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 the crew that came on board and helped you out. How many were there in total through the whole journey and uh, who of them stand out for you? Well, we were just recently hanging out with a, a lovely German guy who we met in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sailed with us back and we were sailing with him recently in Greece. So that was really excellent. Okay. There was another guy who, on the, on the same leg... And I apologize to other crew members who I'm not immediately jumping to, but this guy <laughs> sticks out for me because uh, it was an Irish guy uh, called Peter. Hello, Peter. And he um, he just showed up last minute. It was a very funny... <laughs> we had a very kind of crazy story where we were planning to leave Antigua to get to the Azores. And we were under... We were breaking our own cardinal rule where we had a time limit mm-hmm. uh, to get in which to get to our next destination because I incidentally had to be a bridesmaid uh, in May oh, back wow. in Ireland. <laughs> so we were trying, we were leaving ourselves enough time, we had about a month, say, mm. to get across and um, 
the, or the time window that we had sort of worked out would be our maximum time. That date arrived and we still couldn't find one more crew member that mm. we needed. It was myself, Nick, and the German guy, David, and we had one more space, but we really wanted four for that leg, mm. just because we were back out into the Atlantic and whatnot. And uh, the day arrived by which we were our kind of like last day and then I was potentially going to have to leave the trip for that leg and, and uh, find extra crew and I know where this guy just found us on an ad online and was like I'm just living in Dominica and it turned out we actually had a mutual friend in common and he showed up and it was just all really weird and left <laughs> wow. such a small world yeah. like we, we uh, Nick said I found this guy and I said hang on a second we were talking to someone recently who, who knew a friend in Dominica I wonder if it's the same person and we mm. called him back and she was right beside him at the time and it was crazy <laughs> wow. uh, and it, it all worked out in the end because we got into the Azores uh, at about 6am on whatever the date was the 27th of May or something like that mm-hmm. I had to have to yeah. fact check myself there and then three hours later I flew out again and I was surprised <laughs> the next day and I was <laughs> So it was, I see, I think he was a bit of a lucky charm. Wow. An adventure within an adventure. Now, Nick, let's, let's go back to the moment that arrived, the start of this epic expedition. What was running through your mind, Nick? Because, I mean, what I read, it was not all smooth sailing from the onset, was it? Yeah. Uh, so we had the various problems, the registration of the boat and the absolute mad last minute and everything. And trying to get everything done. And we got everybody, we, we found some crew members uh, to join us on the internet. And, you know, we hope to leave in the morning and then the morning comes and, you know, there's still these other things that need doing and, you know, you're slowly plugging through it. So we didn't leave until... And everybody's around and there's babies <laughs> wanting... To yeah, and that, that was, that was an yeah. unexpected thing. Lots of people mm. who were there waiting for us to leave yeah. and kind of almost <laughs> looking at their watches going, come on, guys, will you, will you go? Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were like, okay, we want to go, but, you know, we also want to leave safely, please. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that evening, it was dark when we left, and uh, nine in the evening, ten in the evening. Yeah, it was dark, and, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a bit terrifying. The first time we've had complete strangers sailing with us. <laughs> uh, we learned after that how to, you know, how to introduce people to our boat, but I guess we, we hadn't developed any of these... Uh, systems or routines at that point but yeah it, it was it was terrifying and we, <laughs> we uh, heading out into the dark sailing into the wind you know bouncing over waves what in the time felt like very big swell but yeah it it it, it, it was scary and it was stressful <laughs> and uh, because i hadn't slept very much uh within about three hours i was completely incapacitated with the sickness Mm, uh, sure. I was lying down on a couch below deck. He went down hard. It was, yeah, yeah. A surprise I, for both of us, I think. Yeah. I had never appreciated before that time what how how incapacitating the sickness can be. Yeah. Despite that that manic start you had, I mean, some of our listeners might think, well, you know, when it comes to sailing, it can't be all that difficult, and there's there's not much to do the whole day long. Is that the case, Claire, or was it more challenging than you thought it would be? Oh yeah, no, it's it, there's. It's particularly, I guess, again, a rogue trader is set up in such a way that um, uh, we don't have all of the, the mod cons that kind of modern cruising boats mm-hmm. have. So, like, we didn't have an autopilot, for instance, so you had to have the person on the helm at all times. Uh, any uh, kind of changing of sails, reefing, or anything like that that you do, we had to go forward and do it at the mast. Or, you know, there, there was an awful lot of, of that kind of uh, stuff. So it didn't feel like we had a lot of downtime, even though we, we had six people for the first Atlantic crossing we did. 
mm-hmm. uh, we we had it, we had it set up because we people of varying levels of experience, and we've never done you know that, that uh, you know that big of a trip before that we decided to have two people on watch at all times so mm-hmm. we had a pretty grueling schedule uh, on that crossing looking back it was absolutely insane we did two hours on watch so you'd be on the helm for an hour then you sure. would be on watch for an hour so that's kind of like if there's on the helm with a cup of tea if there's someone on the radio that you need to run down and check or if you want to do like a log or, and then we had four hours off and that was 24 hours a day of a rhythm like that wow. for 26 days so I think we all very quickly fell into this weird, exhausted trance where we were just <laughs> yeah. like, you would sleep maybe for about three hours. You slip into like a sort of a family experience, you know. Mm. Within that, then you have to find time to like like make meals and then just general both maintenance. We, we find it helps to have yeah. kind of like doors every day. But there were obviously those moments though out there in which... Uh, you can now sit back and and you can think about it and you soaked it all in while you were out on the ocean. Can you recall one of those mm-hmm. memories of, of calmness and tranquility that stands out for you, Claire? Oh, yeah. When, when we left Gran Canaria, that was it. When we left mm-hmm. out in New York first, the weather at the very start was quite slack. I think an awful lot of boats suffered from the lack of wind and some boats diverged to the Azores. Obviously, you know, the Ark is like a big rally, so there was lots of other boats mm-hmm. kind of in the general vicinity and that, uh, that we were traveling with we found it quite tough at the start to get any wind and our boat's quite heavy so like she doesn't do so well in my wind mm-hmm. and after a while we were burning fuel and we were like you know what let's just stop for a day and just chill out so we turned the engine off we sort of i think tr- i think it was mostly tide really bringing us along that like one knot mm-hmm. and we all had a really nice nap the sea was glass it was really flat mm-hmm. and we jumped in for a swim uh, I had never swam out of my depth in the sea before either, and now it was like jumping into like four kilometers deep water or something. Wow. It was insane. It was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and that night we all sat out, and Ari, uh, this lovely Italian woman who was on our boat, was like serenading us with the guitar. <laughs> and we made, but we caught a mahi mahi, didn't we? And we yeah. made sushi. Yeah, that was wow. that was wow. a pretty incredible day. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And, and Nick, on the other end of the scale, though, there, was there perhaps a moment you thought, well, we might not come out of this one to tell the tale? <laughs> was there ever a point at which you, you feared for yours, Claire's, and the others' well-being? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, mm-hmm. we, I mean, we were sailing back. We were about 150 miles southwest of Ireland mm-hmm. uh, in much, much bigger seas, you know, so six meters Waves. Yeah. But the wind was above 30 knots. And in the midst of all of that, we lost our steering. Uh, oh, no. so hydraulic <laughs> spring and suddenly no steering yeah. fluid in the system. Uh, and while that would kind of, you know, <laughs> might come across as being like the, the old craft moment, it, it, it wasn't actually. It was just a kind of a moment because we had done so much sailing and we were so yeah. used to our boat mm. at that point that it was just entertaining. Thankfully, the boat was pointed in the right direction and was going yeah. in the right direction. Just like to worry about it, you know, we're going home. Yeah. yeah. As a skipper of a boat, you're kind of, you're, your brain is constantly uh, working on, you know, making sure the morale stays high. And, mm. and it was, I was going on watch at about, I don't know, three in the morning, pitch black. And it was, it was horrible. You know, it was deep, deep waves every now and again, breaking mm. over the boat. 
Now, obviously, sailing, it, it requires quite a bit of stamina, especially during those moments when the waters are rough and the, the winds are blowing, as you were describing there. For both of you now, did your physical resilience or your mental toughness get you through those encounters? I think definitely yeah, mental, mental. Oh, yeah. It was incredibly yeah, yeah. psychological. I mean, it was a physical workout, like no doubt, but it was that was kind of, it's, it's, you sort of built that up as you went along because you're constantly moving, you know, even in your sleep, you're sort of tensing again the movement of the boat and stuff. but it was very much a mental mm. hurdle a lot yeah. of the time I mean you, you burn a lot of calories physically yeah. on a boat like that because mm-hmm. it's, it's constantly moving so you're yeah. even yeah. when you're sleeping you're, you're constantly moving you know you learn to wedge a pillow either side of your head to stop it shaking around <laughs> and the boat gets kicked mm-hmm. over but uh yeah you, you, we also had a very well stocked boat so we had plenty of food mm-hmm. to you know replace the calories that we were burning so yeah. physically I think I even put on a little bit of weight. Yeah. Uh, but mentally, yeah. yeah. Mentally, it's, 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 it was it was incredible yeah. though. I think a re- or like it's certainly for me anyway. It really like it, I kind of had to realize just how to do stuff in some ways that you know I never thought I'd be able to do. Like at one point, like we said, when we left Ireland and all the crap hit the fan and Nick was mm-hmm. down seasick and I was the engine went. Uh, we 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 airlocked the engine, mm-hmm. and I suddenly find myself in the engine bay, like up to my knees in diesel, having to learn how to how to bleed a diesel engine. And I was like, okay, let's <laughs> give this a go. And I had the mechanic on the sat phone sort of giving me the brief intro, yeah. and, and you know things like that. Like you kind of don't have the time to to really double think it. You just have to. You just kind of have to do it. Mm-hmm. But at times that can be. You, you do feel the sort of weight of that, and you're like, holy crap, we're we're doing this on our own out here, yeah. you know, and you have to be very resourceful by things like that. Absolutely. And Claire, during the adventure, you wrote that being at sea has the potential to challenge everything you think and know about yourself. Could you elaborate a bit on that? Definitely thinking about that moment in the engine bay, all of these all kind of bleeding the engine and, that, and I was just, yeah, confronted with this experience. I, I, I think I remember sort of like sitting, trying to do that. And I was like, where? I never saw this moment coming. I never mm-hmm. expected just being in this boat that was in a quite a rough sea. It was my second day offshore. Nick was sick, and I was there with you know, three people we met online. <laughs> and they were shouting down to me like, are you OK? Do you need a spanner? And I was like, this is this is new. You know, this is definitely something that I have been like kind of I hadn't imagined that moment before. Yeah. And. And yeah, and those kind of things where you sort of have, you're just in this position of having to to cope with something, you know, and it's, it can be incredible, like it can be very challenging like that, but then also you wake up in the morning or you're on watch and the sun comes up and it's phenomenally beautiful and there's nothing around and you're just in, like in a big blue circle. Yeah, those kind of experiences as well, you, you just realise how small you are. And uh, I was watching this video of Claire and, you know, the, the, the camera is still, but you can see the horizon going up and down behind her mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's just sort of illustrated how, how much movement there was in the boat and there's waves coming in over the side. Uh, getting her soaked uh, and through it all she's laughing and joking cheerily you know doing this this, this task that is, is very physically and uh mentally challenging. Yeah. yeah, well, from those moments to something more relaxed, you eventually reached uh, your destination, the Caribbean, and you had a whole new adventure of exploring your surroundings there. You were there for about uh, six weeks, if I'm not mistaken. What did you take away from that time spent there, Nick? Traveling by sailboat uh, like that, that kind of cruising lifestyle, it is amazing. It mm-hmm. is very much uh, the reward for the, the hard work of getting, you know, 
buying a boat to fixing it up, all of the, you know, three years of prep and then the, the, the hard heart, you know, the challenge of, of doing your first ocean crossing uh, and then arriving in paradise uh, where you, you know, the chains of islands that covered in tropical sandy beaches and, you know, that, yeah, local guys who drive out in a little speedboat and sell you a cold beer, uh, you suddenly, uh, yeah, very, very much the reward for the mm. hard work oh, and uh, lovely, lovely, lovely lifestyle. A lot of people never leave that lifestyle either. We met so many people who couldn't leave. We were heading back. No, the people just go and and live like that. Mm. For you know, we spent a lot of time at anchor. Uh, and yeah, morning routine is get up and jump into water. It's crystal clear and twenty six degrees. Mm. Uh, which, from an Irish perspective, is, is <laughs> absolutely <laughs> roasting. Uh, yeah, it, it, it just it really, really is paradise. <laughs> Many of us can only just imagine. When it comes to a journey, I mean, be it on the ocean or on the land, when the route is overlapped, so the, the way you got to the halfway mark is more or less the same way you're going to go back home. What were some of the motions you felt, Claire, both ways? Were they the same or quite different? Yeah, actually, it's surprisingly different. Um, well, the conditions obviously were quite different. The sail out there was, I guess, in lots of ways, much nicer, calmer. Uh, the weather was, way you know, it was really warm. Uh, we had more people on board, but I felt much more of a novice. Uh, you know, like everything was still so new. I was still so unsure of lots of things, and still just kind of hanging on. I guess you know, to like I was like just getting through it because. It was all still so new, quite terrifying, you know. Mm. After four or five months of sailing in the Caribbean, and a lot of that, Nick and I did uh, just the two of us sailing. Uh, you know, we were we can we got quite handy at, at moving the boat, just a pair of us, whenever we needed to, and things like that. Mm. And then way home again, the weather was much more challenging. We we're sailing upwind of the boat to downwind on the mm. way home, and but I felt much more empowered on the way home. You know, I felt like I actually knew what to expect. I knew how to handle things. I found myself making calls, you know, whenever, like, say, Nick was um, having a sleep and I was, like, you know, first mate or whatever, I found myself able to, to make a call on whether to put a reef in or not and, mm. you know, I have faith in myself that I knew what I was doing. Yeah, I felt like I had learned an awful lot of it. And then coming home as well, there was something about that. Like, obviously, leaving, going to the Caribbean was this constant feeling of, like, will we, are we going to actually do this? You know, mm. this crazy thing that we doing a club, will we do it? We didn't, at that point, even care about coming home again. We were like, let's just get to the Caribbean. We can sell the boat if we need to. We can, like, you know, mm. let's just get to the other side. Whereas on the way home, we had, I think, that confidence of the previous uh, victory or accomplishment you know we we knew we could do it and then the, the coming home was that much sweeter it was so emotional coming back into Ireland Speaking about that moment you're talking about arriving back and where it all started nine months prior Nick, for you, what was that moment like? Do you look back on it with joy in, in seeing the friends and family or with disappointment that the adventure had ended? The last leg of that the whole trip so the, the, the Azores to Ireland was basically eight days of the toughest sailing we yeah. had done it's amazing how, how powerful it is and have a 20 ton boat you know just casually shunted sideways by five meters mm. uh, effortlessly by you know big waves hitting it on the side uh, is, is, is a slightly jarring experience over eight days <laughs> uh, it, it wears thin um, and then on top of that we had uh, you know the, the issue the steering failure uh, uh, and yeah, as, 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 as skipper, you're kind of you're responsible for everybody's lives on board, so you yeah. have to you know make sure everything 
even though we were confident in our abilities to sail the boat, you're still kind of maybe second-guessing yourself quite a bit, just kind of constantly, mm. your brain is constantly ticking, trying to work out, is this the best decision to make? Am I making a sensible decision? Mm. Uh, because there are so many decisions you have to make where you have to, uh, like, by example, when we were crossing in the other direction, uh, one of the main halyard failed, so the rope to hold the, the main sail up mm. uh, failed, uh, and we had to work out how to get the main tail back up again. And we had a young guy on board, German guy, who was really excited to climb the mast. Mm. And we started doing this. And then one of the other guys, an older guy, more experienced, uh, said, uh, actually, if we just use that other rope there and we change this, we can do this. It'll be a little bit, not quite as good, but we can do it without going up the mast. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of one of those decisions you have to you have to say yes, okay, it's not a perfect fix, but it is much safer mm. than doing that. So mm. after eight days of being kicked around, the steering failing, and that kind of stress of uh, cold, and yeah, because mm. we were coming from wonderful tropical climate, and the <laughs> every step north it got colder and damper, and yeah, uh, so yeah, arriving in Ireland was uh, uh, amazing. Yeah, it, mm. it was just it felt so lovely to be to be safe, to know that, yeah, with the steering failure, we were, we were in constant contact with the, the Coast Guard. We felt mm. prudent to let them know of our situation. So we were, every couple of hours, we were giving them a position update and a status update. Mm. Um, so it was, yeah, so it was a really big moment. Uh, and it, it's also one of those things that uh, when you're sailing offshore, you have nothing to crash into and mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden you get close to land and there's, there's more and more stuff to crash into and uh, you get more and more boats in the water fishing mm. boats and stuff and you have to make sure you're not going to sail over some nets that they're dragging or whatever uh, and then yeah you get the, the physical land which is basically a big lump of rock uh, that you can <laughs> crash into and uh, yeah that, that was Probably, you know, going back to your saying earlier about scary experiences, probably the more scary experiences weren't the big waves, the sea or anything like that. It's, mm. it's actually that last few moments of maneuvering your boat uh, into a parking mm. space safely mm. without crashing it into something yeah. or, you know, damaging someone else's boat. Mm. Uh, and doing that without a proper steering system was, uh, yeah, one of the more stressful moments. Mm. <laughs> Yes, seeing, seeing family and friends gathered on the, the pontoon waiting for us in the early morning uh, and knowing that we had done it and we had, you know, it, when, we, when we came up with the idea, we went with it. Surprisingly, uh, we had two very different reactions from people. People either looked at us and said, you're mad. Uh, why would you try to do that? Some people even generally were trying to dissuade us from yeah. doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, we were the other reaction, surprisingly, going, that sounds amazing, can we sign up for it? To have conceived something in such a kind of an arbitrary way and then to have spent so long uh, chasing it and, and then, you know, you're, you're very much involved in the act of doing it. Mm. Uh, and for those kind of the, the nine months we were away. Well, an experience like this one with the highs and the low moments stretching nearly a whole year, it, it, it could change a person. Did both of you notice any sort of change mentally when you got back home? And was it difficult at all to adjust to normal life once again? The whole thing about the trip was having a slightly arbitrary, random idea in the pub mm-hmm. and then actually following through. Uh, so there was a real sense of empowerment from coming from that in that we, you know, 
the small kind of random adventurous ideas that we had weren't sudden, you know, yeah. they would have been changed <laughs> if you might have gone, how would we actually make that happen? Whereas now it's very much a sense of, okay, that actually how, happen. how would yeah. we make yeah. that happen? Yeah. Now our conversations are much more loaded maybe than they would have been previously where <laughs> we are like, we have a mad idea, we're like, oh yeah. no, this yeah. is half serious now, you know, so mm. it's really up the stakes in the pub chat. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think since coming home, we've kind of, I think that momentum has sort of thrown us into other projects Mm -hmm. and are still very busy. There was definitely a few weeks of adjustment, I think, when we came back and we were like, hold on, we don't have a goal that we're sort of like headlong running into at the moment. It's definitely changed, I think, uh, yeah, our our outlook on maybe what we we might get up to next or Mm -hmm. or it sort of opened up that option, I think, in our headspace. Yeah, speaking about... As we wrap up now our conversation, speaking about that next adventure, I mean, you, you, you've had this magnificent journey uh, across the Atlantic. What could possibly top this? And uh, have you had those discussions, uh, as you mentioned in the pubs, uh, about that next big expedition? Oh, yeah. There's, lots, there's always lots of ideas. Nicky's always got lots of boat ideas as well. Mm-hmm. On that. He's, he's got many yeah. plans of... Uh, to build on the go. I think we definitely will do another sa- big sailing trip okay. at some point, but for a while. Anything. I, uh, I think yeah. it's definitely another big adventure. And yeah. I know, like, entertainingly, a couple of months after we arrived back, I woke up in the morning laughing to myself because I had been dreaming about flying a World War II bomber across <laughs> Antarctica. And then again, there was that sense of, uh, you know, in the past, you would totally have ruled that out, and then all of a sudden, your brain is actually starting to pick through some of the things you might have. To yeah, do. yeah. How could? I, yeah, flying would appeal to me, but uh, it hasn't uh, come to fruition. Just yeah. Yet. Well, we'll have to wait and see what it's going to be. Claire, Nick, uh, your descriptions of, of life on a boat will. Uh, make anyone want to possibly quit their job and, and set sail. You you both went uh, further than you had ever thought you would go before emotionally, mentally and physically and now you have something that can never be taken away from you. Thank you so much for taking the time to relive your wonderful adventure with our listeners and uh, may the next one be even better. Thanks. Yeah, it was lovely to reminisce. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>